Good morning, Connect Community Church. How are we doing this morning? Everybody glad to be in the house of God? All right, all right. Can we say hello to all our cable and online viewers and give them a big hand and welcome them? Thanks for being with us. Just last night I received word from my friend in Pakistan and I uh, haven't had a chance to connect with you and I'm sorry we will be in touch soon but he just said somebody was watching one of our services and uh, not somebody but a group of people were watching our services and 51 people gave their lives to Christ so I just thought 51 people so that's cool so neat so neat so neat anyway um, you can get your worship guides out you can follow along we're, con- we're starting today a brand new series and I'm always a little bit anxious nervous uh, you know, kind of stirred up about a new service. takes a while for me to kind of get out of one and into another. But I'm really excited about this service because we're fundamentally going to be talking about Jesus. Amen. So I've been studying the gospel since the beginning of the year. And so um, hopefully we'll have some new insights and just more at least fresh bread when it comes to the subject of Jesus. Amen. Um, but we're going to do, we're going to go on a missions trip right now. So uh, how many, how many, how many ever been on a mission trip? Raise your hand if you've been on a mission trip. Wow. Wow. Okay. How many would like to go on a mission trip sometime in your lifetime? Okay. Cool. Cool. So we're going to do a virtual missions trip right now. Okay. This is a virtual missions trip. The Bible tells us uh, in the New Testament that we're supposed to go into all the world and make disciples. But some of us will never get a chance to do that. We never have an opportunity to do that, to visit other nations and, and, and see other parts of the world. And, and sometimes the most strategic thing you can do is go to a nation where people don't know God, right? Yes or no? And we happen to be a blessed nation, a primarily are seen, we're seen as a Christian nation. That's debatable, but we are seen as a Christian nation. But one of the most populated nations we could go to to reach a ton of people would be China. Because that's the, it's the largest nation in the world. There's about 1.35 billion people in China. Right up alongside that, almost, almost level with that, is India. And so don't worry, we're not going to India today. We're not going to China today. But they say India is actually going to pass China in population growth just in the next few years. That's how fast their growth rate is right now. But really, the, most, the largest kind of nation in the world right now is Facebook. There are 1.86 billion active users on Facebook. So I want you to get your phones out. Everybody get your phones out. Now, for those of you who are not a Facebook user, this doesn't necessarily apply to you. Uh, but if you are a Facebook user, I'm asking you, as, this is, and, and if you're a guest, don't feel like you have to do this. But if you're a frequent flyer or a family member, I'm asking you to get on Facebook right now. We're going on a three-minute missions trip. Is everybody with me? All right, so you're like, this is church. Yes. Just so you know, I do this a lot, all right? Just this last week, I was going on. I want you to go to Connect Community Church uh, just in Facebook. And if you have never been there, welcome. Welcome. I'd like you to like that page, Connect Community Church. Just like the page. Uh, Once you've done that, I'm going to give you a little bit of time to do that. Some of you just, you know, staring at me. That's okay. I get that. Uh, once you go to Connect Community Church, you like that page, then I want you to just scroll down a little bit, and you should see like a little uh, Easter celebration invite. Easter celebration. Is everybody seeing that? Just talk a little bit. Yes? No? Maybe? Okay. And now I want you to go to this little button down below, and it's, it's, it may be new to you. I've experienced it a lot, but maybe you haven't. It's called Share. Share. We believe in sharing at Connect, and I want you to share that to your wall. Just go ahead and share that to your wall right now. 
And once you've done that, you can look back up, and I want to welcome you to your first international mission trip. You guys have literally touched the world, okay? So this is a simple way everybody can give away what we say we believe and what we say we love, and we can do that by getting through into Facebook and inviting people to church. This can invite people to our Easter celebration, which is, as you guys know, taking place in two weeks. I can't believe that. And you have multiple ways to kind of tell people about it. One of the best ways for you to be a healthy Christian is to be a bringer, an inviter, a person who shares and gives away. By the way, give yourselves a hand. You guys did a good job. You guys all went on missions. Good job. Okay? Now you can say you want a mission trip. Virtual missions trip right here in church. You didn't have to leave your seat to touch lots of people all over the place. Depending how big your Facebook nation is, you got to tell a lot of people what was important to you. So I want to thank you for doing that. Um, but one of the ways to stay mature as a Christian and grow as a Christian is to be engaged. Attendance will not make you a strong Christian over time. Engagement makes you a strong Christian. Amen. So fundamentally, if you want to stay growing, then you, you want to be a giver. You want to be a server, you want to be in community, and you want to be a bringer. That's how you stay healthy. Anybody want to stay healthy in the kingdom of God? All right, there's how you do it. Amen. Is that good? All right, so when you've done that, now get off Facebook, everybody, because that's not why we're in church, okay? Now it's time to pay attention. All right? It's like, oh my gosh, I got a friend request. Okay, no, not now, not now, all right? So... <laughs> All right, this, this particular message uh, is, is probably one of the most unique in this series, at least thus far. In fact, I'm going to talk about things like, uh, you know, the, how, do I, how Jesus identifies with us, how Jesus justified us kind of next week. We're going to talk about that. It's Palm Sunday, but it's we really relating to kind of the last week of Jesus' life and, and, of course, his death. And then we're going to talk about how he verified himself on Easter Sunday, and we'll continue the series even after um, Easter as well. But I asked a friend, I told him about the series, I said, I bet, I, I bet you can't guess what I'm preaching about. Of course, you guys all know what I'm preaching about today, because it's in the notes, if you're paying attention. But, um, you know, I was really asking this person, I was saying, hey, what's the one thing, and I even put this on Facebook, because I go on Facebook a lot and use that to reach people with my faith, and I just said, what's the one thing that Jesus was that he's not now? And the answer is, a human, a human. And so we're going to talk about how uh, divinity became a part of humanity. When those two meet and those two collide and how significant it is in the Christian experience and in our faith. Today's message, Jesus the human. And I want to say something uh, that just so that you guys understand. I know he's not a human now, okay? But he was a human. He was a human for 33 years. Um, he was fully God and he was fully man. And if you were to try to, uh, you know, this, this whole idea about him coming to earth to connect with us to ultimately, and this is kind of the principle, it's a, it's a really key and strategic doctrine in the Christian faith, but that is the doctrine of identification. In fact, you probably want to put that in the notes somewhere, just bonus, but we're going to talk about the doctrine of identification. Sometimes um, I think it's overrated identification when it comes to identifying with other people here, but it's never overrated when it comes to identifying with Jesus or Jesus identifying with us. We actually use this principle of identification to connect with people all the time. You, you do it all the time. 
I was, in, in, I was kind of in a little conflict recently with one of my staff, um, and, and, and so in order to try to calm her down, I had to say, I've been where you are. I identify with you. Just so you know, I, I, I understand what you're talking about, because I had to go through a very similar situation. I told her a story, and boom, just diffused the situation right away, because we had, we had identification. Identification is a, is a common political strategy today. It's, it's really, if, if you were to campaign and you were to go to a certain location, you, uh, the, the politician was to come to town, uh, whoever he or she is, they would come in and, and as they're driving into, let's just say, a particular community, let's say they're going to meet with bankers, uh, they would make sure they have a suit on, they'd show up in a certain kind of car, they'd certain kind of an entourage, and they would go to meet with the person and they would say something like, my father was a banker. So I, under, I understand you. I understand this business. I, I identify with what you're going through. I connect with you. And then that politician would leave, and they would go to another location, to another territory or whatever, and maybe they're going to go, um, you know, meet with uh, factory workers. And so on the way there, he would put on a, like a kind of a white jacket and a hard hat. And as he got out of the car, you know, he would go to talk to the factory workers and say, you know, my father's uncle's brother was a factory worker. So I, I understand you, and I, I, I identify with you. I, I, I get what you guys are going through right now. And then that politician would leave and go to another community, and maybe to go see some farmers. And on the way there, get out of the white hat, and, and, and the hard hat and the white coat, and maybe put on some overalls. And then they'd get out, and they'd say, my father's brother's uncle's neighbor's best friend who owned a dog was a farmer. You guys getting what I'm saying? Everybody turn your neighbor side. I think I know what he's talking about right now. Okay? Because I wanted to identify with you. I'm trying to get you to see. I, I, I understand what you're going through. But did they understand? No. They didn't understand what they're going through. This is a political strategy called identification. And I just want you to understand something as we kind of get going. Jesus never settled for the illusion of identification. He truly identified with us at all points because he was a human. He was a human. John chapter 1, verse 1, you can see. John chapter 1, verse 14, these are not in your notes, but it talks about the, the word of God became flesh and dwelt among men. In God, or we would say incarnate, God in the flesh. He was born, everybody. He was a toddler. That's kind of weird, isn't it? We don't think about that very often. He was in a family. He was in a family. He went to work. Uh, you know, and, and as he got older, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Look at, this is a key text in your notes, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and following. Is everybody with me right now? Okay, it says, it says this, Hebrews 2, 14. I want you to see why this is important, the doctrine of identification. Because God, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. <clears throat> because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son, the Son of God, also became flesh and blood. In other words, a human Everybody getting this? So, 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 so since he was a human, how does this help me now, Pastor? For only a human being could he, only as a human being could he die, and by dying break the power of the devil who had the power over death. So there's a big mission that Jesus came from heaven to earth to accomplish. We're not going to talk about all of that this morning. We're going to talk about one aspect of that. So um, I'm going to skip down to verse uh, 17. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every Every respect like us, every respect like us, 
his brothers and sisters. So that he could, as a result, be our merciful and faithful high priest. You might want to circle underline merciful and faithful. So he did what he did. He was, he was uh, so that he could identify with us in every single area, every single way. So as a result, he would then become to us merciful and a faithful high priest before God, God the Father. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering, as a human, by the way, and testing, or you could say tempting too, he is able to what now? He's able to help us. Or the, the new King James says, aid us when we are being tested or when we're being tempted. So because he identifies with us as a human, he can help us. He can aid us when we're being tested or tempted as humans. Is everybody with me? Turn to your neighbor and say, this is good preaching so far. I'm getting a lot out of this. Okay. Has, raise your hand if you've ever been tempted or tested. Anybody? Okay. Good news. Jesus was tempted. Temptation's not a sin. Testing is not a sin. It's actually kind of a requirement of life. Okay? And so he was tempted. He was tested. Uh, one translation says, in all points, just as we are. Right? So, so he was tempted. He was tested. Wouldn't it be good to have someone in your life who was tested in areas that you're going to be tested in? Wouldn't it be good to have someone in your life who was tempted in areas that you were tempted in? Wouldn't that help you to know there was somebody, not only who had gone through those things, and this is how uh, horizontal identification is overrated and vertical is, is, should be highly rated, is because most of our identification on this level is with people who crossed the line, who messed up, who failed. But when we identify with Jesus, we're identifying with someone, I was tempted in that, I was tested in that. But he won. He was successful. He made it. I can remember the first time I was going off a, a high dive. I was asked to go off a high dive. And I was like, I don't know, 11, 12 years old. I remember it was, I, I'm pretty sure it was a local pool here. It might have been like Keefe Tech or something. I can remember back then, the high dive looked like Mount Everest to me as far as I was concerned, you know? And I can remember seeing these older kids going, you know, talking about going off it and trying to get me to go off it. And, 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 you know, even back then, you know, like 10 years old, the ego starts to come, you know what I mean? And it's conflicting with your fear of, you know, losing your life. <laughs> Eventually, one over wins, wins over the other as you get older. You get stupid, your ego's so big. But I was still like, I like my life. And so I was just hanging on. I'm not going to do it. And they're trying to get me to do it all. Oh, it'll be awesome. It'll be fun. And I can remember this one guy turning to me and just, hey, Derek, don't worry about it. Watch. Watch me when I go. Watch me when I go. Trust me. Just trust me. Watch me when I go. And he gets out on that high dive, and he jumps off this high dive, and he came back. <laughs> he survived. You know what I mean? And I remember him getting out and just like, it was awesome. You can do it. And, there was, and, and I eventually got on that high dive and went off because somebody went before me and was successful. Is everybody track with me? Like, there's just something. I remember the first time I went on a, you know, one of these crazy, you know, uh, water slides. You know, my father-in-law, I've told this story before. He went before me. I was still scared to death. But I went because he was successful. And he was older than me and would have made fun of me the rest of my life. 
But, but that person, whoever it is in your life, empowers you if they went through what you've gone through or what you have to go through, what you'll be tested and tempted in. It helps so much more to know somebody's gone before you. That's the power of identification. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, and you know it's verse 15 and following. It says, listen, we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize. The New, Liv- the new International Version has, I think, a better word there than the King James or New King James. The King James and New King James says sympathize. Empathize is a stronger word than sympathize. Sympathize is trying to identify. Empathize is I've been through this. Is everybody with me? So, so we don't have this. A high priest is kind of like a go-between a mediator, an advocate. We don't have somebody that's in the middle of, 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 of you and God who hasn't experienced what you're going to experience. No, we have one with our weaknesses. So he's, he's not unable to identify or empathize with our weaknesses. That means he, he does. Why? But we have one who has been tempted in every way, or one translation says all points. And I used to, I, pause for a second, I used to think, come on, every way? All points? And I'm going to get to that in just a couple of minutes, almost to the point of absurdum, almost to the point of like, all right, Pastor Derek, we get it. But I want you, I want you to know, sometimes you dismiss Jesus because you think he can only identify with certain things, but he can't identify with everything. And you're wrong. You're wrong, okay? And you're missing a tremendous benefit of relationship with God. He was tempted in every way. Everybody say every way. Everybody say all points, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Then verse 16, so here's why that's helpful. Here's the benefit. You see how I'm basically breaking down the scriptures for you so that when you read the Bible, you get more out of it? This is what, this is what God wants to do. When you get in a devotional life, you get revelational life. In your, in your, in your uh, you know, uh, uh, integration of the scriptures, it starts to kind of get in you and you get insight. So as a result of this identification, now we can approach God's throne of grace. Notice it doesn't say a throne of judgment. Throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace. By the way, that grace is not like a pretty girl's name or something you say before you eat your meal. That word grace means divine enablement or empowerment that comes from it. It's, it's, the, it's like the analogy I was just using. Because somebody went before you and they were successful, you are empowered to do the same thing. But this is a different even level of empowerment. It's not just, I saw it, I can do it. No, you've, you've been empowered from the inside out because somebody went before you and did it. The Son of God is greater as he who is in you than he who is in the world, right? So it's an inside out thing. Isn't that cool? So that's that divine enablement. To help us in our time of need. How many of you have needs? Anybody ever had a need? Raise your hand. Okay. Good news. Jesus knows what it's like to have needs. He knows what it's like to go through situations like that. So this is incredibly important for you to understand. You can come boldly to the throne of grace. You can approach God for help because he's merciful and, and an empathetic God. And the reason that he's a merciful and empathetic God is because he was a human. He was a human. 
I remember uh, talking to somebody uh, over dinner, talking to somebody, you know, out in the, in the community, talking to somebody at the gym, and I remember them telling me their story. People like to talk about themselves, if you haven't noticed that, and if you allow them to do that, you can connect with them. It's pretty amazing. And, and they started telling me about how uh, they had, um, had a bout with cancer. Has anybody had a physical sickness, and then you, talk, you heard somebody had the same physical sickness? Right? And, and so I, he's, this person told me about that, and I said, you know what? Uh, interestingly enough, I had a bout with cancer myself. Really? Immediately, we had a bond. Literally in like seconds, we had a bond. That's identification. Oh, you know, what kind of treatment did you have? Well, yeah, I had this kind of treatment. Really? You had the same kind of treatment? I can't even believe that. Yeah, did it make you sick? Yeah, initially it made me sick, but then I started getting used to it. Yeah, oh, me too, me too. Pew, bond. Identification. Jesus empathizes with you like that. In everything. In everything. In everything. Listen, you may never saw it this way, but in, in, in your relationship with Jesus, you can say to Jesus, I was tested in this area. I was tempted in that particular area. And Jesus would say to you, I understand that. Really? You do? Yeah, totally. I totally understand that. Did, you, did, did it make you sick? Well, yeah, yeah. I kind of I struggled with that myself, but you know, here's how I dealt, dealt with that. Did, did, did you know what it feels like? Yeah, I know exactly what that feels like. Jesus understands what you're going through whenever you're tested or whenever you're tempted, but he never crossed the line. And the reason that this is so wonderful that Jesus is a human is because he's sitting now on the throne of grace. And the reason it's a throne of grace, again, I just want you to see this, is because he's sitting, he was sitting at one point in time just like you on this earth as a human. He was a human. But Satan tries to come into our life and convince us that, you know, we can't do it. We're less than, that, that, that we're, we're, we're beneath and not, and not above. And he says things like, you know, you, you, can't, you shouldn't even be in church right now, sitting amongst these holy people, observing, you know, uh, the, the things of God and practicing the things of God. You're so bad, you shouldn't even be doing that right now. But God is up there. Jesus is up there in heaven looking down and basically saying, no, 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 I understand why they're struggling with that right now. I understand why they feel guilty about that right now. I understand why they're having this, you know, 30 minutes of thaw out from Saturday night getting ready for Sunday morning. I understand what happened on the way to church. I understand how that can be like that and that can go like that. He understands. And so he gets it. So because he was a human, I'm going to give you three kind of big areas. We could do a lot of these. But to show you how Jesus can relate to us. And as a result, we can better relate to him. Because if he can relate to us, think about this, you can better relate to him. Your view of God determines your relationship with him. Your view of Jesus will determine your relationship with him. If he can relate to us, we can relate to him. Here's your big idea. Write this down. You can always turn to Jesus because he understands everything you're going through. You can always, always turn to Jesus because he understands literally everything you're going through. Here's the first one. Jesus understands relationships, relationships. Now, this is a huge subject. So I'm going to, this is a huge area that we all need help in, so you can't do enough of this. But Mark chapter 6, verse 3, uh, look at this with me. It says this, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? Now, I want you to note this because we're going to come back to this later. It's just kind of interesting. It doesn't say the son of Joseph. It says the son of Mary here. I'm going to come back to that in a little while. Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? How many brothers did he have? Four. Aren't, aren't his sisters, plural, here with us? 
and they took offense at him. The Bible's basically saying here that Jesus had four brothers for sure and at least two sisters. He had a big family, right? How many people have six, six people in their, six kids in their family? Anybody? Six kids. All right. There's like two of you. Awesome. <laughs> so we don't know for sure how many, how, many, uh, how many sisters he had, but have you ever thought about the, part, the, the fact that he was in a family? Like he had siblings. I mean, Jesus understands. Like you almost don't eat. You can just like fill in the blank. Like Jesus understood, understood what it was like to have sibling conflict. Jesus saw brothers duct taped to walls. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus saw, you know, sisters fighting, you know, and the volume going up into the high decibel range, you know, that it could almost call rain down from the sky because it gets, da -da 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 -da, it just goes up there. Like he was amidst that type of environment. Jesus, Jesus understands family dynamics. He, he, no, well, I don't know, Jesus, I don't know. I bet all the children got along perfectly in his family. Really? Really? That's like, that's like saying when people come to church and they get close to God, all the children behave perfectly here at church. All the moms know that's not true, right? Right? It's like, it seems like every demon in hell comes out of your child as you approach God. Right? So, so he understands. Like, you're like, my gosh, I'm going to, you know, it's crazy. He understands the kind of fights. How about this? How many times do you think Jesus heard this? Or, or Jesus' brothers heard why can't you be more like Jesus, your brother? <laughs> I bet that happened a lot. Why can't you just be more like Jesus? Why, oh, come on. Look at Jesus. Look how he's sitting over there, all quiet, <laughs> reading the scriptures, <laughs> eating manna from heaven, <laughs> worshiping. Worshiping. Why can't you be more like him? I, I personally think Jesus probably played some pl prank, planks, pranks. Maybe did some planks too, but played some pranks on his siblings. You know what I mean? Like, it'd be like today going down to the public pool, you know, like down the Sea of Galilee. Jesus goes out, walks on the water. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. It'll work for you too. It'll work for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like a fool, you know. And then he picks them up. I got you. He's like practicing later for the Peter moment and all that stuff. That's all going on. I got you. I got you. Jesus understands. I bet he let him sink a little bit. He, he, I, listen, he understands what it's like to be single. Now, I don't want to go into this because this is more speculative, but, but I think Jesus understood sexual temptation. You know, I think, I think he handled it so well because he never crossed the line that women of ill repute, instead of throwing themselves at him to service him, threw themselves at him to serve him. The woman with the alabaster jar, you know. Because they confronted Jesus, and Jesus succeeded in getting to the root issue, the root level. I think he understood what it was like. I think, you know, I was, you know, thinking that somebody might say, well, he doesn't understand what it's like to be married. Do you want to think about what you're saying before you say that? Because, because I think there's tons of scriptures, if you look in the Bible, that talks about the bride of Christ, the bride of Christ. In fact, in Revelation, in one place, it actually says, I'll show you the lamb's wife. In Revelation, I think it's 21. He knows not only what it's like to have a spouse, he knows what it's like to have an unfaithful spouse. We, we've been unfaithful to Jesus many times, many times. Well, he doesn't know what it's like to have children. 
Do you want to think about that for a second? Because Jesus is God. And, and in fact, in John chapter 1, everything that was created, everything that was made was made by him. It's talking about Jesus, actually. So, so he not only knows what it's like to have kids, he knows what it's like to have rebellious kids. Like, so he, he, are you guys getting what I'm saying? He understands. There's nothing you can talk to him about. I guarantee you, he understands. If you start to think about it, talk to him. Look at Mark chapter 3 in your notes, verse 31. Then Jesus' mother and brother arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Jesus says this, check this out. He says, who are my mother and my brothers? Then he looked at those seated in the circle around him and said, here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Amen. Basically, he's saying, he's saying, they're saying, yo, Jesus, your family's out here. They want to see you. They want to see you. And Jesus is like, they're not my family. Y'all my family. Y'all my family. Have you ever felt like that with your family? Don't look around right now. But have you ever felt like that with your family? You know, you got to be careful here. But if you've ever had a close relative, have you ever had a close relative or a family member, and, the, and they walk in the room or they walk into a certain situation, you thought, "Oh man, I wish they hadn't showed up. I wish they hadn't showed up." I mean, just Friday night, I was on a date with my wife, and we were coming out into the rain, and 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 she was she and I had had. Some uh, Brazilian food, praise the Lord. And uh, <laughs> some bacana. You know, we had this good stuff. Some conchia. It was great. We came out. And all of a sudden, I looked down, and she's got these white rain boots on that one of her friends in church gave her. So I'm gonna, I'm, she's going to probably send me an email. I got nothing against the gift. But I look at these boots, and I'm like, baby, I can't walk with you right now with those boots. You know what I mean? And I start, you're going to have to go over there by yourself. Sometimes, sometimes we find different things that we don't want to associate with. Sometimes it's our, sometimes the way they're dressed, she's done that way more than that with me. She's like, why don't you like my crazy rain boots? I like them. I said, because they shine like the sun in the middle of the night. That's why. I like to look at the moon up there, not down there. <laughs> but has, has anyone, you know, has anyone ever asked you, you know, it's basically, this is what's going on here. You know, isn't that your brother or your sister over there? With the, with, with, you know, has anybody ever said, you know, the one with the, the crazy hairdo? Or the one with the pocket protector and the little tape on the glasses? Or, you know, has anyone ever said something about one of your family members? And they're kind of, you know, and you're thinking, to your, is that your brother? Is that your sister? And you're thinking to yourself, you want to say, no. No, it ain't. That ain't, that ain't, that ain't my dad. No. That is, that's, that's not my sister. Nope. So why, why didn't they greet him? Or why didn't he greet them? In, in Mark chapter 3, verse 21, I don't know if this is going to show up in your notes, but it says, when his family heard about all this, they went out to seize him. This is what his family was saying. They said, he's out of his mind. He's out of his mind. They're basically saying, Jesus, he's crazy. He's a loon. He thinks he's the Messiah. That's what they were, that's basically what he was dealing with. With his, He talks about demons a lot. <laughs> Probably a lot of nonverbal about Jesus. So they wanted to seize him because he was an embarrassment to them. They thought he was crazy. 
So have you ever thought about, have you ever thought about some of your family like they're crazy? Anybody? <laughs> Has your family ever thought you're crazy? Raise your hand. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a bunch of you guys in here, that's for sure. See, you can go to Jesus and you can say, they think I'm crazy. And Jesus says, oh yeah, I know exactly what you feel like. They thought I was crazy too. They're the crazy ones. They're the crazy ones. So you can have the most intimate, understanding, empathetic, fun relationship with Christ because he understands because he was a human. Are you guys getting what I'm saying? He understands. That's why I'm going to be. I'm not. He understands friendships too, relationships. He had friends, Mary, Martha, Lazarus. You guys know the story. In John chapter 11, Lazarus dies, his friend. He shows up late, we believe intentionally, so that God could be glorified. But Mary and Martha, you know, you know, they come to him as friends. They're like, you know, first, you know, hey, you know, Jesus, if only you'd been here. I think, I think they had different, sometimes we read it and we're like, if only you'd been here, oh, wonderful one. I think Martha was like, if only you'd been here. Mary, Mary's probably a little softer about it, but I think Martha was kind of, Jesus, if you had been here, you know, he knew like what it was to suffer some of the like rejection of friendships and feel their disappointment. He understands what it's like for all of your friends to desert you when you need them the most. All of Jesus' friends fled. Maybe one stayed behind, John the beloved. We, you know, all of his friends. He understands when a close friend and he understands this. This is painful. He understands when a close friend betrays you. Judas betrayed him. Do you understand? Jesus, whatever, everything you're going through, Jesus understands. He understands it. Here's the second thing Jesus understands is work. Everybody say work. He understands work. He was a carpenter. Mark 6, 3. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the carpenter? He was a hard worker. We used to have a hard time getting my son, Devin, to understand the concept of work when he was growing up. My son gets a lot of accolades around here. But uh, I used to get so upset with him. And because I was raised in a, in a house of work, you know, my I'm literally like I had a job when I was like six, seven years old. I was shining shoes at six, seven years old. I mean, I literally paper boy, lawn boy, the whole bit, gutters, shrubs. I mean, a lot of work, dirty hand, dirty fingernails around the around my whole life. So we try to get Devin to do chores. He has a hard time growing up doing chores. If Natalia was here, she'd verify that's still a problem today in the household <laughs> in which he lives. My, my, my gosh, it was like a nightmare on Elm Street trying to get this boy to do his chores. And I remember that when he, when he got his first real job, we were like, it's a miracle. Like, how did he get through the interview process? And how did he buffalo them? You know, was it his charisma? Did he make them laugh? And I'm thinking, this guy has no idea what's coming. So I can remember, <laughs> I can remember Devin coming home exhausted from work. Exhausted. And I realized something. He was shocked that at work, pause, he had to work. I can remember talking to him like, son, that's why they call it. Work. If they called it play, you'd get to play. Anyway, my son got A's in recess. But uh, Jesus, all of that to say, Jesus understood work. He, I believe he had calluses on his hands. I believe he got blisters. 
I believe that, you know, as a carpenter, he spent more time working for those of us who work and think we, we, we spend a lot of time working, don't we? And work's a big stress in our life. Jesus spent more time working than he did his ministry. Somewhere between 12 and 13 years old would be the tradition. We don't know this firsthand, but the tradition would be to begin to intern with your father, begin to work as early as 12 to 13 years old. So let's just say from 13 to 30, he was in the work world, working day in and day out. Probably had a business with his dad, father and son carpentry. That's funny. I don't care what you say. <laughs> Temple maintenance. No, something like that. I don't know. Something like that. But, but he, he, he worked. He worked hard. I don't, I don't like when I see Jesus in the white robe pictures and the worshiping and everything's perfect. I, I want to see Jesus in a tank top, Levi's, and a tool belt. That's the Jesus that I see because that's how, that's how he was most of his life. Is everybody with me? So, and I don't think, no disrespect to carpenters, I don't think, you know, I don't think it was easy for him. He never had a nail gun and a power saw. He didn't. Like, I bet because he had to punch those nails in on his own, I bet he had some biceps. My Jesus has biceps. <laughs> Would you expect anything else from me? No, I believe he had, I believe he was muscular. Okay, Jesus. No doubt about it. Listen, I can remember as a young man building a treehouse, and I remember my parents would not let me use power tools as a young man. Can you say that's wisdom? That's wisdom. <laughs> and so I was trying to build a treehouse, and I remember thinking, I'm going to have to cut some wood. I had one plank. I remember one plank. I'm out in the woods. I've got this itty-bitty saw, little handle on the end of it. It took me like three days just to cut. I had to take three Kool-Aid breaks per day to get through this one board. Jesus worked hard, guys. He worked really hard. Anyway, I believe, I believe that he, he, he understands what it's like in the work world to, to work for people who lie and cheat. Probably even Christians, too. I think he understands you guys. I, I think he knows what it's like to pay taxes. A lot of them. Okay. Number three, Jesus understands pain. Jesus understands pain. Now, we all go through pain. And I'm just going to key in on two aspects of pain, emotional pain and physical pain. There's a lot of different, we could talk about relational pain all day. But, but in Isaiah chapter 53, this is a prophetic scripture that comes hundreds of years before Jesus even arrives. One of the reasons I follow, I'm a follower of Christ, is because of prophetic fulfillment. Uh, there's no other religion that can historically record something hundreds of years before with such accuracy, and then it actually come to pass. So there's prophetic fulfillment. But Isaiah 53, verse 3 says, He despised, that's emotional pain, by the way, despised and rejected, that could be considered relational pain, by mankind. He understood emotional and relational pain by man. A man of suffering. We were just reading, uh, singing the song, A Man of Sorrows. And familiar, look at what it says, with what? Pain. He was familiar with pain. One translation says familiar with grief. Verse 5 says, here's the second kind of pain, but he was pierced, or one translation says wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed or bruised for what? Our iniquities. Iniquities means our continuous sin, our ongoing continuous sin. So emotional pain. He was despised. He was rejected. He was mocked. He was despised, rejected, and mocked because of his vocation. Isn't this the carpenter's son? 
right? He was rejected and he was despised and mocked because of his, uh, you know, his, his birth. He was considered illegitimate. Illegitimate. He was mocked for being illegitimate. He was, he was mocked and despised and rejected because of, you know, his race. If you remember when he was on the cross, they put a sign over his head, King of the Jews. That wasn't a, that wasn't a sign of honor. That was, that was a derogatory statement, King of the Jews. Look at you up there. He was, he was, he was mocked, despised, insulted, right up until the last few minutes of his life on earth. I think he understands emotional pain. Think about the physical pain, and we won't do a lot on this today, but he was, I don't know if you realize this, but he was beaten by three different uh, garrisons of guards. There were Jewish guards that beat him up. There were Herod's guards that beat him up. There were Pilate's guards that beat him up. Bible says, with their fists. Listen, they pulled his beard out with their hands. Sometimes I'm messing with, with children. I, you know, I've got like these kind of God children, and I might not have a full beard, but sometimes they'll pull your face or they'll try to pull your skin, and it hurts, doesn't it? But when you have a full beard, I, can you imagine the pain of that? Just ripping it right out of your face. They beat him with rods. They put a crown of thorns on his head and pressed it into his skull. <laughs> They scourged him. We're not sure exactly if it was 39 times, but that was the tradition until he was just beaten like a pulp, you know. They nailed spikes into his hands and into his, and into his feet. They didn't just strap him up. And then they hung him on a cross until he died. I hate even thinking this or even stating this, but our Savior and Lord was tortured to death, to death. He understands pain. He died in a, a death that is the most gruesome probably in all of humanity since the beginning till now. So why don't you talk to him about your pain? If he can relate to us, we should be able to relate to him and be like, go talk to him with your pain. Connect with him on your pain. One more thing about emotional pain and, and him being a human. You know, I, I referenced this earlier, but in, in Matthew and Mark, it says, is this not the son of Mary, right? You guys remember me talking about that a little while ago? And, and, and there's another instance recorded in the Gospel of John where it says, isn't this the son of Joseph? Isn't this the son of Joseph? And it's important because you need to understand there's kind of some timing issues with uh, these four books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those are called the synoptic Gospels. That means they're similar with each other. But if you ever read the Gospels, and I encourage you to do that, John's a little different than the other three Gospels. John has some information in it that you don't see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that's because John was written after Jesus ascended and all the disciples had been martyred. So there's, there's new information in there. They still had the same beginning and end birth of Jesus to the crucifixion, but there are stories recorded in the Gospel of John that you don't see in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You see in John chapter 2, uh, water to wine. John uh, chapter 3, the conversation with Nicodemus. John chapter 4, you see um, uh, uh, the, the woman at the well. John chapter 5, you see the, the, pool of, the man at the pool of Bethesda right? John chapter 9, blind Bartimaeus. John chapter 11, Lazarus. All of those stories, 
they're not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John because, because John recorded more information after Jesus had ascended and left and the disciples had been gone. And he put those stories are put in there. And so it's kind of got a richer gospel than the other ones. But John wrote those things, uh, those, and it records the first kind of two years of Jesus' life. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke only record the last year of Jesus' ministry. Jesus' ministry was three years. Three years. Matthew, Mark, and Luke only have the last year. And they say, isn't this, isn't this, what? The son of Mary? But John's gospel records, isn't this the son of Joseph? Now, historical documents record the other ones, reliable ones, that Joseph died in the third year of Jesus' ministry. And so that's why you see this reference change. So when Jesus was in his third year of ministry, his father died. And there's another story in the Gospel of John where Jesus is on the cross, and he looks down on the cross, and John the Beloved is standing next to his mother, and he points to John. He says, John, here is your mother. And he points to his mother, and he says, Mother, here is your son. And the Bible says from that day forward, his mother lived with John. Jesus was the firstborn. It was his decision to do so. Why would his mother live with John if Joseph hadn't been dead? Joseph was gone. Jesus, why am I telling you this? Jesus understands loss. Jesus understands loss. Jesus understands what it means for you to go through loss. Everything you have gone through, Jesus has gone through. And listen to this. This is even more amazing. And I want you to see how much Jesus would, what lengths he's going to to identify with you so that you'll come to him with your problems and your situations. Jesus, during his three years of ministry, his father dies. Listen, he could have raised his father from the dead. I believe with all my heart he didn't so that he could identify with what it feels like to lose a loved one for you and for me. So that he could say, in everything, in everything, I've been tested and tempted. In everything, I can identify and I can understand what you're going through. Would you close your eyes? I want to pray for you right where you are. There's a scripture in 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and following. It says, my dear children, God the Father speaking. These things write I unto you that ye sin not. But if ye sin, you have an advocate. You have a mediator. You have a high priest. You have a go-between. Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. God is saying in heaven, I want to be in right standing with my kids, so I'm sending my son from heaven to earth to identify, to empathize with you in everything, in all points. But I'm going to overcome in all points and, and succeed in all aspects of life so that when you face whatever you're facing, you can come to me. With every head bowed, every eye closed, listening to my voice. I remember years ago when I got my dog. I remember picking him out of a crowd. And the owner said, you want that one? He's shy. He's got issues. I said, you know what? When he becomes a part of my family, we will love that right out of him. And I think there's some people in this room, maybe some people listening online, where sometimes you feel you made 
so many mistakes. You've done so many things wrong. And it's caused you to withdraw from God, to kind of hide, to sit back and wait for, you know, someone else is going to get ahead of you. And the enemy's been whispering in your ear for a long time. You're the run of the litter. You're the one that, you know, is rejected. You're the one who's despised. Nobody would want you. Jesus came from heaven to earth because he wants you. And he wants to restore you in relationship. And he wants to bring you into a family where that can be loved right out of you. And if you'll say yes to God, if you'll say yes to Jesus, and you will come to him, he will come and meet you right where you are. If you know you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you've never said with your mouth, from your heart, Jesus, I can't do it without you. I do feel sometimes like the run of the litter. I do feel like I, I'm not worthy, I'm not acceptable. But Jesus says, you don't have to be. I, I made a way for you for that to be possible. And you want that? You want in? I want you to raise your hand good and high and say, that's me. I don't want to miss that. God bless you. God bless you. Is there anybody else? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Raise it good and high so I don't miss you. I don't miss you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Thank you, ma'am. That's awesome. Church, would you pray this prayer? And those of you listening online, I know God's talking to you too. You might be all the way in Pakistan. You might be in another part of the world. You're not the run of the litter. God came for you. God came for you. Say, Jesus, say this with me. Say everybody together. Jesus, I thank you that you understand everything that I'm going through. You relate to me. And now I want to relate to you. I invite you into my heart today to be my Lord and to be my Savior. Make me a new person from the inside out, from this day forward. May I never, 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 come on, say it, never be the same again in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap all over the place. God bless you guys. Thank you so much.